Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. I am guest host Chris coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and we've got a great panel as ever. Uh, joining us is uh, Megan from Los Angeles. Hey, Megan. What's up? Hello. I'm and in Northern California. Doing great. Oh, good. <laughs> Sorry. In, in Northern California, it's Ez and Original Sarah. Hey, guys. Good morning. Gonna fumble around and see if I can figure out if this is has eggs in it or not. <laughs> Get your fingers like really messy in egg sauce. Will and, do. Uh, and juices. <laughs> and uh, rounding out the panel in Burbank, California, it is New Sarah and Kyle. Hey, hey. Hello. Hey, good morning. And just to clear something up, am I the only one detecting notes of lamb? <laughs> like there's lamb. Like there's lamb somewhere lamb, around but- but maybe also beef instead of lamb or bacon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think you just have like resting lamb tongue. Maybe is what uh, it is. Where you yeah, just taste lamb everywhere. One hundred percent resting. Wow, that lamb is my tongue. worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> just super gamey. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't taste well, game. <laughs> no. I just, I just, game. I, no. I just want game. Recognize everyone. game. You know. <laughs> game can't recognize game. Oh no. Game can't sense game. Game is blind to game. <laughs> Oh, they changed the game. Oh, boy. Oh. Uh, so, everybody, we're talking about uh, Top Chef Season 18, Episode 11, Blind Ambitions, and we might as well jump right into it. The event we're all talking about is the Quick Fire, uh, which was uh, kind of a weird one in a number of ways. So, this was a spinoff uh, or, a, or a copy of the Top Chef France spinoff, and it is uh, their homage, intimate. if you will. Yes. You, yeah. Mm. Uh, very nice, a very bar-o, fancy. Uh, a bar homage, bar homage, uh, both Ooh. paying tribute and blatantly lifting, ripping it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, black box challenge. I have never seen Top Chef France. Um, being a non-French speaker, I, I, I haven't uh, dived into it yet. But uh, this one looks uh, weird and hard. It's a dish made by a mystery chef, and uh, it's a copy of the dish is in a, basically a dark closet. And then the chefs team up in pairs. The first chefs of each pair have 15 minutes to go into this dark room, taste the dish, and touch it and smell it and whatever else. And there are no lights. And they then they run out and begin cooking. And then the second chefs after 15 minutes swap and then they can't talk to each other except the last five minutes where they can both go back in the box with lights on, see what's up, try to fix any mistakes. It's probably too late. Um, so the guest judge and uh, chef whose dish it is is Gabriel Rucker of Le Pigeon. Uh, he's a two-time James Beard Award winner. And the dish is pigeon with roasted carrots, grilled parrot marinade, carrot mustard puree, uh, pistachios, and a gribiche sauce, which apparently is made from hard-boiled eggs. Um, I did not realize that the restaurateur's restaurant was named La Pigeon, because that is a very big hint. If they had knew who who was the mystery taster. Yeah, but they had no idea who it was, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah. No idea who Um, it was, and he also seemed kind of like... There's lots of chefs that they bring in that seem like a James Bond villain, and he's like high on the James Bond villain chef scale. Yeah, and there was, was. And there was the James so Bond. Right. Yeah, and they shot him from behind, sitting in a chair in a separate room, watching a screen. You didn't really know who it was, and he was just sort of like, "Hmm, yes." Yeah, you could just see the neck very, tat. Yes, only the neck tat. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, initially I thought it might be like uh, Katsuji or somebody like that, but then. Uh, 
you know, with the tat and everything else. Yeah. It was not. Uh, we Honestly, also saw Brooke. Brooke's, Brooke's back. And she's uh, an all-star, but a guest teammate because there were only five people. Uh, so she rounded it out and teamed up with Don, who had the most individual wins. And that was their tiebreaker there. So, I loved how um, surprised she was at that. She genuinely didn't know, which is awesome. I love it. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree, Sarah. Like, nobody was keeping track of individual wins. Like, you know, they asked, who do you think who has the most wins? And, like, Maria didn't know. Gabe didn't know. Shota didn't know. And nobody uh, to camera yeah. knew whatsoever. They're just still there. That's all they care about. <laughs> What's not real tired. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's also establishing the theme of the episode, too, is, like, reinforcing how close and non-competitive this season mm. was. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's like hinting towards that because they didn't know because they didn't care. They were just there to like do their best and support. It seems like they were there to do their best and support one another equally. It, yes. Yeah, it's. I think it kind of it shows that we weren't really super surprised when Brooke joined in. You know, for the actual cooking of stuff, there was a lot of just blurring of lines, right? Of the chef mm-hmm. and and like the. Yeah, the judges. It was all just everyone's bubbled together. Really, I feel mm-hmm. it felt like we're just you're all. It's all it's all humanity against the pandemic more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, I I like that a lot. I mean, also the talent level of who's left uh, seems to be so high that you know it really. Yes, it's an advantage having Brooke. She's fresh. She's really good. She's been historically very good at quick fires, but it's not that much of an advantage. Everybody's really high level here. No, and like they don't. And she, Don, and Brooke don't know one another, so there isn't like an actual chemistry. It's uh, a lot no. of how like Don's cook this year is just like cooking based on excellence, as opposed to like uh, when you have Team Tiny making something that's like uh, something that's a blending of their personalities. This was just like two excellent chefs doing the work one after the other. Yes, totally agreed, and. Um... Yeah, I mean, there there was some communication stuff, certainly, with Brooke and Don. We saw the, you know, that Brooke left the carrots on the hotline for Don. And whereas and Shoda, who was the first chef for for Gabe, you know, decided not to fire anything. So it would all be out, um, which I thought was good communication there. But mm-hmm. otherwise, yeah, I mean, everybody seemed to get through it and make a good dish, even if, um, you know, the end judge certainly liked one of them better than the other two. Um, I. But- I just realized why this felt so familiar. Sarah, this is like basically our mornings where it's just like we never actually get to finish any task, but we're just trying to like <laughs> like overlap, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this half of the snack and then you do the lunch. And it's Oh, yeah, that's totally true. I guess on the nose with packing lunches and stuff. Yeah. Like sometimes we'll have to leave halfway through and the other person will have to pick it back up. Yeah, yeah. But it's also like, okay, look, I I left out uh, you know, Maya's clothes, but you still have to make sure she pees. And like, it's just all those things where it's like there's everything staged at one point and yeah. you just hopefully that you've, you've done it all enough times that you remember and you don't skip a step because that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got to wear pants and socks. They, they do frown upon the no pants. Yeah. Uh, one thing that surprised me here was just in the blind tasting that it seemed like only Don picked up on the mustard uh, of any of the blind uh, chefs. It seemed like, uh, you know, everyone's like, well, there's acid there, but I don't know what it is. And it seems like an obvious flavor, um, at least as an audience flavor. member. I think mustard's pretty, you know, unique, but clearly mm-hmm. not. I don't know, Kyle, what were you saying? No, it's like I I always know in mustard someplace. Like I never miss the mustard <laughs> in a sandwich <laughs> or dish. You have resting mustard tongue? Yeah. No, no, no. I don't I I don't have mustard on my tongue. It's like the complete absence of mustard makes me know when it shows up so clearly. I know when mustard's in the room, 
not just. Oh, your sixth sense is just dedicated to mustard. Yes, one hundred percent. Do you wait? Uh, there's a new mustard I want to talk about. Oh, Trader okay. Joe's has dill mustard. Dill pickle oh, yeah. mustard. Dill pickle mustard. Yeah, it's just and it's, delicious. Is it good? I mean, if oh. you like relish and you like mustard and you don't want to have to have two bottles, it's pretty much perfect. I also it's have like some peanut mustard butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a goobers situation. Yeah, yep. uh, I have some mustard news. Uh, oh. So there are these new chips at Whole Foods that I think aren't going to be around for a while because they're flavored based on sandwiches, and they're the weirdest things I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like an Italian hoagie, a pastrami on rye, and a Cubano uh, chip. And I think the reason they came up with all these is they figured out how to make mustard powder into a flavor for chips because they all just taste so heavily of mustard. Yeah. Did, did, I would, did you think when they made the mustard powder, they just like made way too much of it? It's like, we got we to gotta move this mustard powder fast. Otherwise, it's going to go bad. I think they were just trying to figure out if they could come up with their own proprietary thing of like, we want to come up with a new type of chip. So it's a mustard-based spice. It's like how you have... Uh, the sort of like sweet and spicy of like a barbecue chip. Uh, and that can be the base of like other more complex chips. They just use like mustard at a base. And like for the Italian hoagie, they just put some oregano and like Italian seasonings. And with the pastrami yeah. and rye, like it just tastes like Dijon mustard and sauerkraut. And wow. I don't like it. It, it upsets me. Couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> is there a brand of these chips? Is it just chip brand chip or what? Like the, the 365 brand? Yeah, okay. 365. Okay. Um, but yeah, I can't get them through juice. Amazon, so I might have to like go go in person demand that they give me them. Because I'm... I don't like this, but I do like new things. Oh, I do. This is right in my alley. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mustard we'll finish bag then. Show up at Whole Foods and say, I demand the sandwich chip. Yes. Give me the, I want a, I want a chip sandwich combo, please. <laughs> I forget how it's done when you go into a store, but I'm pretty sure I just demand it. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the, the maitre d' takes your order and then they go shopping for you. Is that what happens? Sure. I, who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's all great new world. Uh, we have uh, a comment from Jane uh, from the mailbag yeah. on the quick fire. Uh, Jane says, uh-huh. I really like the quick fire. And it is interesting that Don and Gabe, whose sauces have been praised all season, were the ones to nail down the mustard flavors. Now it makes oh, me I guess Gabe did too. I can't, yeah, I can't remember. I don't know if he said mustard specifically or if he just kind of got the right profile for it. Um, mm-hmm. I. Jane says, now it makes me want to improve my sauce game in case I end up in a dark, dark room and have to identify a grubiche. <laughs> yeah, that that is really a great point. Thanks, Jane. Um, I couldn't yeah. tell a grubiche from a lineup if it, like, arrested me at gunpoint. <laughs> I like, I, there's no way I would pick a grubiche at any point. Like, this was the first time I saw the word grubiche. Like, I've mm-hmm. never seen those letters in that order in my life. I feel like I have a cookbook that has a recipe for this. And I'm always like, you you like sieve eggs or something? And it's really confusing what? to me. I don't know. Okay. Anyway. I'll, I'll do a little <laughs> brag. I was just making a reservation at Ad Hoc in Napa Valley, which is Thomas Kel- one of Thomas Keller's restaurants. <clears throat> and wow. one of the items on the menu of that day was a grabiche, and that was the second time in my life I had heard of it. So I don't know if it's one of those things where if you hear it, it shows up everywhere, or if it's just like the sauce of the year, you know? 
Um, yeah. This is just this. And look, and this is really just this is a mayo that you've cooked the egg first is what I understand about looking right. Cause like this is, you're having the same ideas of like trying to emulsify a fat. Um, uh, but you're just, uh, now you boil the yolks first as opposed to having yeah, them. It, it, yeah. it certainly seemed that way. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. It seems male like, but also largely incidental to the dish. Like if I'm, I'm looking <laughs> at the picture of the dish, uh, I'm not seeing, you know, like a, mayo-y sauce on there i mean well, maybe it's, it's it blended like, into the puree or whatever else it looked a little heartier so maybe it's like a sauce that eats like a meal like because <laughs> like a chunky soup it does yeah yeah seem. it's the it's the campbell's chunky of mother sauces <laughs> this doesn't I'll, I'll look th- this article does not really make me want to look <laughs> sauce corbiche is a cold egg sauce um and and then just like served on calf's head tripe or cold terrine Whoa! I'm not, I'm not, Whoa! I'm not, I like the the egg whites are cut in a julienne. I don't know, man. I, I I'm I'm okay that this has not been a big part of my life up to now. But maybe I'll <laughs> we'll, we'll check in later and let you know. Maybe maybe this grabiche is like where it's at. Maybe I'll be having maybe we'll be having grabiche style chips before we know it. And this is just where the and tip you can is. go and demand them in Whole Foods <laughs> like you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to get your th- y'all's thoughts on the uh, on a couple aspects of this quick fire. Um, firstly, uh, Dawn won, but she won nothing. She won bragging rights this time, and nobody went home, and there was just nothing at stake. Did did anybody else notice that? And if so, how did you feel about it? Should she there made have been a, a prize? Right. So I think she was bonded oh. now with with Brooke, and that's the real prize is friendship, guys. So I think she's fine. If I could, if you could say like, "Look, you're gonna get no money, but you'll be friends having one sling with Brooke," I'd be like, "Yeah, sign me up." Yeah, that's, yeah, that pays off in the divi- like in the long run because mm-hmm. Brooke is true to her friends too. <laughs> that's illusory Ooh. though, because once she's done this show, she's gonna be friends with like all the famous chefs. Oh, but so. you could always say like, "Brooke, remember when we won?" And they'd be like, yeah, that's cool. And then we, we have like a, a friend anniversary when like the, the winning date, maybe like send each other bottles of Grabiche. I don't know. But I think the bottles. Think really, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's what you want, Chris. I don't think that's shelf safe. <laughs> Handfuls? Uh, the, other th- the other thing is like, you know, we did not have like a blind taste test um, this this time, at least, in, unless my memory is really, really awful, um, that this season we didn't have any other sort of palate challenges. Um, how did you like this one as opposed to like the blind taste test type of thing? I actually liked it. I thought it was kind of a fun way to shake it up. It was very COVID friendly. Everyone's in their own little pod. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Touching a fresh plate of food every time. Um, uh-huh. I, I just like it when they shake things up and I love the palate test because I know I would be absolute trash at it. So it's like watching someone do a magic trick in front of me. Yes. Um, yeah. And I really like finding out who has that particular skill set. They're obviously all brilliant chefs, but it's fun to see who has that little like superpower in addition to it. Yeah. It was, and there's... it was fun. Oh, go ahead. No, no, please. Oh, I, I just thought it was very... Um fun and how elaborate it was i feel like it's 
when you like go over to your friend's house for game night and they're like, oh, I have this really great game and they're like, they're like trying to explain the rules to you and you're like, maybe we should just play it <laughs> and like see how the first round goes and I can learn that way. I, they were trying to explain it at the beginning and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just going to watch the quick fire and see what yeah. happens. Totally, me too. Yeah. The, 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 I think that like, yeah, remind me of, uh, I guess, uh, New Girl, their, their game True American, where it's just like, I love the, the depth where it's like, oh, wow, there's a whole world in this game that has to already have happened over like how many however many seasons of uh top chef france that i love this is like the thing where hey this is this is the thing that we really care about it's it's chefs going into like these like little boxes touching lots of food and try to do their best and i think that's just it's it's weirdly representative of maybe what is valued i guess instead which is that 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 strong really technical skill um it, it just it's yeah it felt like a fun well, window in another world yeah, I I agree. I mean, in, in addition to testing the palate, it also tests um, sort of the nonverbal sort of uh, mm. uh, spatial communication of the chefs, like Shota, you know, mm. doing all the me's and like laying it out, um, you know, in a clear way where his thought process was available, even without communication. That was, yeah. I don't know. And I also thing. thought it was like a little kinky. Like it's all about like going in the dark Ooh. and there's a mystery and then withholding. You can't talk. You have to watch them and you can't say a thing. <laughs> Like it, it did feel like the complications also made it feel a little bit more French to me. <laughs> Just needlessly uh, yeah. complicated. Is that what what do you mean? Not needlessly complicated. It's all about like limiting like what you can do, but not like physically. It's all like, will you, will you follow the rules? Will, will, will you let these like non-existent bonds hold you back? Mm, mm. I, I feel like, yeah, there maybe it could be like, yeah, like, like maybe Camus like writes a whole book on this or Sartre sort of like says like you know, the, the limitations of, uh, of tasting and knowledge. Um, I, I, I liked, I like I like a restriction. I like, I think it's all balances out to have it be in my mind, fairly arbitrary in that there weren't any stakes, um, which is, yeah. which is nice as well. Yeah. Cause that's also not like a really chefy skill, like tasting something in the dark and then recreating it with these like great hurdles. It really was more about like, the task was the pride of being able to do this, not like actually testing your skills as a chef. Yeah. Unless you like, you cater to like, like saw style billionaires, you probably won't have to do this really at your restaurant. (laughs) First cook me a meal blindfolded, but it has to match this other meal. (laughs) Can't you just eat the other meal that you have? It's fine. It's already there. Yes. And I'm feeling squab. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, Mm-hmm. It's, Has it's, anyone ever had yeah. squab before? Like this is a dish they've cooked a ton on Top Chef, but I have never had it, and I don't know why you'd want to cook like a tinier, harder to enjoy chicken. Well, if you could, I mean, harder to enjoy, but easier to—I mean, more abundant, right? You could just yes. catch them. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, it, it's probably like a, a very sustainable food. And after watching Spies in Disguise for like. A million times with the with the kids, I can just say that pigeons are surprisingly smart and versatile, so presumably tasty as well. <laughs> that goes I, together, right? Sure, I I, mm, I, I have no comment. Thought, no, I, I return null on that one. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> I've never thought that critical thinking was uh, critical to flavor. Well, uh, I, hmm. Let me think. All right, is there any correlation between intelligence of, of animals and and how they taste? I, I mean, when, I every don't once in a while. Conversation. <laughs> yeah, I don't love it either. Move on. <laughs> yeah, Alex. Alex yeah. would have had us in line. So, like, no, Ezra, this is not the conversation we're having. And beyond, 
Uh, yeah, this is. I'll, I'll be honest, Chris. I'm kind of treating you like the like the substitute because uh, I I don't know what I can get away with, and I feel like you're not going to send me the principal's office. So, like, good luck, good luck with this. Kid. No, I'm not. I don't even know what sending you to the principal's office would be on this. Right, exactly. But you I haven't think... even figured out the principal's office. I'm I'm going to run yeah. run run a muck here. You're not, as we're going to move on and move on quickly. Don <laughs> wins uh, with Brooke and uh, wins nothing, but all the chefs win a night off. Wink, wink, <laughs> wink. <laughs> because they get back to their uh, their loft or whatever, and Brooke and Kristen are there to share boxes with them, prepared by their families uh, with ingredients to inspire them for their next challenge. And it's it's very emotional. Uh, five out of the seven people in the room who were on camera were crying, uh, and they get some care packages of mixed degrees of utility for their next challenge, I'd say. This does feel like the next evolution of, of Blue Apron, though, right? Where it's like it's curated by your family members, and you don't really know what to do with it, and just like there's a lot of emotional weight attached to everything. Uh, yes. Even if you don't want to make chicken wings, they're in the box, <laughs> and you might really feel emotionally that you need to make yeah. the chicken wings my wife sent me these bean sprouts i really have to do something with them these beans really gotta water so down my, my whole plate yeah these bean sprouts embody my wife if i don't put my wife in this dish i wouldn't be cooking my wife <laughs> <laughs> it does remember it reminds me of the it reminds me of what was the, the top chef just desserts where it's like the good and plenty's were my mom oh yeah. Uh, oh god yeah. the red hots were for my mommy i yeah, think was the uh-huh. line we, they they break yeah. a lot of chefs on these shows. I feel like that's like he, that guy was already a bit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> didn't make him. They yeah. didn't fix him. No. The red they hot didn't. for my mommy. I have not. I don't think we watched Top Chef just desserts. That phrase like just made a, a chill run down my spine. <laughs> the red hot for my mommy. Have. That was disturbing. That's that something way. that should be said in a police interrogation. <laughs> It it wasn't great. Uh, you know, Just Desserts was occasionally a very fun show, and Gail is a great host. But, um, yeah. I uh, that, was not a fan. Uh, if and when you want to look, I just sent you the YouTube link. If and when you want to have it steered further into your mind. Uh, <laughs> there you go. All right. I'm going to yeah. have a dark Sunday. <laughs> Ooh. Now, we have five really, really good chefs. Um, you know, the talent level is really high. These are the people who not only made it to the end of the season, but the end of a very excellent group that we've had this season uh everybody's excellent but exhausted and feeling very emotional about their boxes question for the panel here uh what's an ingredient that would be in your care package and do you think uh you'd do a good job with it Ooh, can we do one one that you would get and one that you would send to each other sure yeah okay that works oh yeah hmm i mean if i was sending to ez there would definitely be like some some starter in there, some sorry oh, starter. Oh yeah, ooh. Um, I think you Sarah, you just get like a a Starbucks cup like filled like with like maybe like it'd be a Trenta of like iced tea perhaps or uh, or I guess an Arnold Palmer. Um, so just give me something to drink. And yeah, it's like you know what? Yeah, while, while you're cooking, you're probably gonna want something to drink. Yeah, sweetie, you'll do you. fine. Just like relax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say for me, giving something to Tanya, it would be. Uh, vinegar of some kind like a like a really nice white wine vinegar Uh, or she's super into tart things and vinegars and cooks with them all the time um for me uh the obvious answer is lentils or beans i'm just i i love i love a legume just Mm. just a bean man through and through darn skippy 
You know, I'm trying to think of like a more basic ingredient thing, but if I was making a care package for Kyle, I would have to send him some North Carolina style barbecue sauce, but that's already like together, but it is vinegar based. So I guess I'd also say vinegar then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For nice. Sarah, I definitely send like, I don't know. I don't know what mushroom she'd want. Probably maybe I'd get the nicest mushrooms possible. Maybe like Ooh. morels. Ooh, luxury mushrooms. Yeah, I'd get I'd hey. send Sarah luxury mushrooms. I wouldn't just Lunch send her portobellos. Mm-hmm. Like anybody can get portobellos, but I'd send her like some some nice stuff. How about just like a whole log with lots of mushrooms growing on it? <laughs> that seems like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> if you just get that, yeah, you like you wake up like you know, like you roll over in bed. It's just it's a whole log of mushrooms, basically Godfather style. Yeah, admittedly, I'm thinking of the Hannibal mushroom episode. If you know, you know. But the, the mushrooms have a little bit of a creepy connotation sometimes. Mm. Don't know. Won't know. Don't know. Don't look it up if you don't know already. <laughs> I won't. I know I don't want to know. <laughs> Megan, you got a thought on your ingredient? Uh, maybe some like smoked paprika. Ooh. Um, I think I, either either one of us, Alex or I, could send that to each other. Wow. Be the same thing. That's, that's, that's your trade. That's your that's your that's your one for one. Like uh, like leave a paprika, take a paprika kind of trade. We're just always passing yeah. it back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Are there ever non-smoked paprikas? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. There's like sweet paprika. Okay. Yeah. Any others? You get you get either like sweet or savory. I think kind of base level. Okay. Dessert paprikas. Mm. Oh yeah, paprika. I feel ice like cream. you could have paprika on it. Yeah. I'll look up dessert paprika. See what we've they made a, a paprika peach pie before. That's mm. fun. Chocolate that paprika chocolate really recipe. Good. Peanut butter paprika cookies. Warm cocoa chocolate pudding with smoked paprika. Okay, good job, internet. Yeah, there are at least as many paprika desserts as there are soft tofu desserts. It sounds All right. Like. Yeah, I'd rather. Have a, uh, I, if I saw a paprika on a dessert menu, I'd order that ten times out of ten over the to- tofu dish. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. Wait, what about smoked paprika soft tofu dessert? Does oh, it like, cancel itself out? I'm going to go for the ice cream then. Oh, good call. <laughs> that's also soft tofu and paprika. It's <laughs> very one one note in my restaurant. What is this as? You can't get out. Also, you're entrapped in a box. You have to recreate all the dishes before you can leave. It's dark. Everything's soft tofu. <laughs> There's just there's some kind of creepy Hannibal mushroom thing on the wall. Another one is Red Hots. On I guess I just no no Ezra Kyle. We skipped you. Name your ingredients. (laughs) On the track. (laughs) Good job, Chris. You're learning. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I said mushrooms for Sarah and for me. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like. I don't think I'm good enough at cooking barbecue to think that I could handle like a big pork butt. Half a butt or a small put butt? No, you need a. I, the bigger the butt, the the better the dish. Oh, I almost said the better the bish. No, <laughs> the bigger the butt, the better the bish. <laughs> I should say um, that for every pod, just to get the the <laughs> syllables out. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the theater warm up. Mm-hmm. The well, the butt, you the could the uh, use a pressure cooker like Jamie did for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. How is so? How are, is this the first time Jamie's not? I, it's probably not the first time, but like, how is the first time pressure cookers have come out this season 
the third to last challenge. Mm. Yeah. I, now, my my very fuzzy, not at all accurate memory is that um, perhaps some of the fruit in the fruit challenge episode was pressure cooked to be quicker uh, stewed mm. or something like that. Does that yeah. does that sound right? Maybe. And since they were cooking outside, they wouldn't have access to other things. They just had like the burners and vessels to cook it in. Yeah. I kind of feel like this would be, this would definitely be like one full day of our um, like Top Chef boot camp, like the pack yeah. your like training, where it's just like, all right, here, mm-hmm. here's a pressure cooker, like, like assemble it and disassemble it like 30 times. Um, or you definitely. Like three different brands of pressure cookers. Yeah. All the different <laughs> pressure cookers. Yeah. Yeah, in common. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and of course, I mean, at least classic Top Chef. You know, Jamie's panicking about the pressure cooker. She gets some help with it. Um, the second time, she's panicking with it, and it seems like she figures it out. It's not a factor, and in fact, her her beef comes out great. But yeah, it was just fun that you know, eleven episodes of the season, five chefs left. We get a nice pressure cooker moment for the first time. That's good. Pressure cooker. I feel like yeah. is kind of like it's like the. I want to say it's the the knife block of like the things you can actually use where it's like I could I could I want more pressure cooker mishandling. I I, I don't understand why they're so hard, but I like that they it's always one of those tropes. For sure. Now, we've seen one blow up, right? Haven't we on the show? Oh, I feel like only the blender blow ups. We've seen pressure cooker. Oh, blow ups. it was the blender. That's what it was. Yeah, I think was if that... a pressure cooker blows up, it's a much bigger deal. Yeah, that's like that's not like a, a fun <laughs> like kind of cleanup. That's like, a oh, no. <laughs> there's a reason why they didn't include them in like the vintage cookware challenge like, oh yeah like a used bad like, pressure cooker <laughs> blow up a, a lot more often <laughs> i guess i think the modern ones don't have that problem as much. or like the older ones have like worn through so the seals aren't uh, great yeah. mm-hmm. there, yeah. there's like a light spot in the aluminum <laughs> then it just like whistles and screams the whole time yeah no good <laughs> um about this challenge, I thought, I think the I thought the care packages were a little meme. Uh, we're like, <laughs> did you feel like it was too too much like our last chance kitchen last week? Well, I didn't. It wasn't that it felt like last chance kitchen. It was that like I, I now knowing like that is very similar to that challenge. But it's because they didn't know what they were getting, and they were getting this package from people who were well-meaning, but not not necessarily like understanding their strategy and like how they cook on this season. Mm-hmm. Like, there's mm-hmm. a disconnect mm-hmm. between like people who know you but don't exactly know what you're doing after these like ten weeks of cooking and what like sort of headspace you're in. It's like Jamie getting chicken wings from her family after she'd been scarred by chicken wings earlier in the season. Yeah, they they have been going along. They don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's. I think the mystery aspect uh, was a little tough for uh, such a critical challenge this late in the season. It what it is still a good challenge of like their abilities as a chef. I do like it. It's just interesting that they also had the hurdle of cooking things that that there's that like level of chance of like you don't know what's going to be coming from your family. Uh, mm-hmm. That that sort of like complicated a little bit. Yeah, because it, it felt like the families probably were given a directive along the lines of like, I wondered if it was um, put a care package together so they can make a meal for themselves that reminds them of home. 
Like it didn't seem like they were told this is so they can, obviously I don't think they'd tell their family members, this is so they can do a challenge with these. Like, I think they were genuinely putting care packages together that were care packages, not like challenge packages. And if the other people in your family are also like not chefs too, you know, you're not necessarily thinking about how ingredients go together the same way as if you're like putting together something to make your beloved family member happy. Yeah. 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 And also fairly diabolical, uh, but also smart for the magical elves to outsource the manip- emotional manipulation to uh, the people who know you best. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like here, here's a letter that will make you cry and now plan a dish, right? Yeah. Um, it it sure seemed to cement them as far as using the ingredients in the box. Because in the rules, it said you don't have to use any of these ingredients. You could just be inspired by what's in there and make whatever the heck you want. Um, yeah, but it right. sure this, seemed this like is the- your biography, right? You can just lie and say, was, oh, yeah, this is a big thing for us. Uh, came out of this dish like they don't know you. Right. You can, you can <laughs> say whatever. We, this is. Yes. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. It was important to you. I think yeah, that was the distinction with it. The distinction oh, between ahead. the top three and the bottom two were. Uh, it, it seemed like there was a little bit more direction with Shoda, Gabe and Don's boxes. And then mm. with Maria and Jamie, like Jamie has, I mean, Jamie has a very eclectic style, but like her style isn't necessarily like challah bread and brisket and chicken wings. Like, why would you put right. brisket yeah. and chicken wings in the box? Like, what are <laughs> you supposed to do? Bonkers box. And yeah. corned beef hash and matzo ball <laughs> soup. Like, honestly, the, Jamie was set up, it felt like Jamie was set up to struggle with like the very eclectic collection of ingredients in her box that it'd be hard to like make those go together. And then with Maria's, it felt like the, yeah, it was octopus or chicken wings as the main focus of her dish. And like, you can make anything taste delicious, but especially for like this point in the season, I can't, I mean, and also with the time they had, they only had two and a half hours. So like Octopus, I know you can do really exciting stuff if you have time uh, to sort of like marinate it, get it like softened up and then cook it. But in two yeah. and a half hours, I don't, I'm not sure how much you could do with the Octopus to make a top five top chef caliber dish. And we've certainly seen octopus done well, like in a pressure cooker, um, but by somebody who really, really, really was determined to do octopus, where Shoda also got some Wagyu beef and some mushrooms and persimmons. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to use that. Like, yeah, screw it. Just cook this delicious thing with luxury ingredients. That's going to be great. And because there wasn't a budget, (laughs) I'm going to puree these mushrooms that probably cost $70 an ounce. Right. I don't know no, how that's much a good point. And Maria's cost. box had potato chips, pho noodles, and uh, lemons in it. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. But I I feel like, pre- I, I mean, again, like, yeah, there were problems with Maria's and Jamie's dishes, but they weren't, relative to other seasons, they weren't horrible problems. Like, the food's no. still pretty good at this point. You yeah. Know? I mean, if look, if the field is like six, seven, or eight people, I think, like, they're they're definitely not going home. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's more. Uh, it's the fact that like they were not in a good place to concede at this level because it was the the air is so rare. Oh, man. Yeah. Do you think if it. it was a pantry situation and they were just like sort of given the the open ended challenge that it would be much closer? 
do you think the box has made that much of a difference or do we still see kind of the Gabe show to Don rising to the top of this group? I think it could have been a little bit closer just because the, it may have opened up like the sort of centerpiece of the dish to something that would have inspired Maria and Jamie more. So that like with Jamie's problem, she was just trying to make that brisket actually get it done that the rest of the yeah. dish around it wasn't as composed. So if she had been mm-hmm, able to mm-hmm. pick like a different protein that she was more confident in cooking in two and a half hours, that sort of like mental energy and bandwidth could have been applied to the rest of the dish. And then with Maria's, it'd be the thing of like, she sort of fell into the bait of the challenge where she felt she had to put this bean sprout in and it led to a bad side. And what everyone said was a really delicious wing. Uh, But like, because she was sort of, she felt stuck in that it led to a poor decision. Like it might've still been the same, like one, two, three, four, five, the way it like set out but it probably would have been a lot closer. Can we, can we talk about the elimination and sort of like the attempting falling on your, yeah. uh, your chef's knife? kick us off, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess, right. Like, you know, we have, we have our bottoms. Uh, you know, Maria is getting ready to set home and Jamie's like, no, not on my watch. Um, like send me home instead. Like I got a second chance already. Like, like she should still be here. Um, and yeah, it, I think kicks off a very emotional and I think like awkward, no, you go, no, you go uh, kind of like at the, like, I don't know, four way stop sign kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. But also like very, very sweet and heartfelt. Um, and I think it's like, everyone's basically trying to convince uh, Jamie that it's okay. That Maria goes um, clean Maria and, and the, and the, the judges. And then um, eventually um, that like gives way. And, and, and yeah, it, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it, speaks definitely to the camaraderie of all it, but I was kind of curious people's visual, visceral reactions and any kind of thoughtful thoughts also. I, I obviously thought it was very sweet and, um, you know, makes you really understand the friendship and the love that these chefs have for each other. But I also mm. wonder too, if part of what was going on is just how tired and homesick Jamie was. And yeah. like, just for a second, she saw, kind of an honorable way out. And I, and I do think she wanted to stay, you know, and like, you know, Padma, I think asked at some point, like, do you want to keep going? And she says, yes, but I think she was really conflicted. I think she also was feeling done and felt like this could be a good way to get out. Um, But that was just, that could have been the edit as well. I don't know. Well, it, everybody understood what was going on. Like all of the judges, uh, could diagnose like the sort of psychology behind what Jamie was doing, like in an instant from like, because it was funny seeing all five of the judges at judges table, like process it because Kristen and Brooke were like, I totally get this. I know exactly what you're feeling and why you'd want to say that both in like the stage and the competition. And then like it, it, everyone understood what she was trying to do and why it wasn't like those early seasons where like people were like, listen, I'm going to give up immunity and be on the bottom because I'm going to stand up in like a sense of machismo. Mm -hmm. And that got them eliminated. But everyone knew that like Jamie was doing this out of exhaustion and empathy and like genuine support uh, for Maria and the other chefs in the show. 
Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, that that this was unlike other times where giving up immunity or or even like a team leader going home instead of the chef who made the worst dish. Um, you know, this wasn't about somebody claiming that they they deserved to go home more, but it was really, I don't know, I, it was the most emotional version of this that I've seen on Top Chef, which is just out of love and respect and 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 saying, you know, uh, an, an admiration for Maria uh, that Jamie had. In addition what? to, I'm, I'm sure you're right, exhaustion, you know, but that played a part for both of them, I think. It was also, uh, they, they showed the, before Jamie said that, they had like everyone in the stew, uh, pago- pavilion, uh, campsite, mm-hmm. whatever, fire pit. <laughs> um, yeah. And Maria was just talking so much about how she felt like she'd changed and like her support, like how she felt about Gabe. Uh, and like, <laughs> she, I, I'm sure a lot of that conversation was either maybe Jamie and Maria, like coming to terms with like this journey. And I think like, that's also something that could have affected Jamie emotionally too, is seeing like the growth that Maria seemed to experience as a chef from Tucson, as opposed to someone cooking in Las Vegas or like a bigger city than Tucson, like being the top five on top chef, uh, for someone from like a non like major culinary destination is a big deal. And that's like probably yeah. wrapped up in a lot of like self-worth and like where you like that. That's something Maria had dealt with a lot during the season. And I could see that affecting Jamie in a way of like thinking she has a lot of opportunities with what she's gone through and wants to give that to Maria, like wanted to give that to Maria, like hearing all that definitely it, it was just a lot of things coming to a head in that moment uh, at judges table. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, any other thoughts? So I don't have something about uh, Jamie's uh, decision, but I have like a very incendiary thing to say about top chef in general. Ooh, uh, okay. That also was kind of driven by like this elimination challenge and seeing this meal and sort of at this point in the season, I don't. I think Top Chef would be better if it got rid of Tom Gale and Padma. And, wait, and did what with them? like just like? I I think the the most interesting thing about the season is how it's brought in the former winners to both like assess and guide the chefs, like both giving like feedback and criticism of the dishes. And interacting mm-hmm. with the chefs over the course of the year, I love Tom, Gail, and Padma. They're great. But like the show has been so it has been shaped so much about around their tastes and how they think of food that I I'm I'd be very interested in having like a season where it's like Michelle King, Dale, uh, and like Gregory being the three main sh- chefs like taking them through and tasting everything and giving critiques like credit like giving them feedback over the course of the season and seeing how their version of the show is or any combination of the the former winners they've brought in uh or even like maybe shifting up the format to make it a little bit more like the voice where it's the chefs like kind of giving guidance and they take ownership over the season I, I would just I was seeing like Kristen do the Kristen and Brooke do the care package and like hosting yeah. it in that way, not just like judging the food, but like interacting with the chefs as 
like people, I was just like very struck with like how cool it would be to see the Kristen Kish version of Top Chef because I am not that moved by like her reality show where it's her cooking food with two other uh, Top Chef right, right, right. alums. Like I just, I think it could be very interesting to get different voices in the judgment of an entire season, not just on an episode by episode basis. That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I guess I should say in my research into Top Chef France, it looks like at least for one season, they did try like a more voice style thing where it's like, there's like teams, um, with like sort of a, a mentor type figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe worth checking out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. There was, there was definitely like a lot of interest with the, uh, with the talent. It feels like a little more, I guess, homegrown talent where it's like that they, maybe they're accessible in a way because we've seen so much of their career arcs in a way that like. You know, Tom was kind of already fu- fully formed, um, and when he when he when we when we met him, uh, to some extent, and yeah, yeah. I just I'd be and very to interested it's... to see. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, uh, sorry to cut you off, Kyle. Um, no, I mean to me, it's about relatability, you know, and and just um, you know, at this point in season eighteen, Kyle, I certainly sympathize with the idea that you know, head judge Tom Colicchio has been on a on a pedestal. And, and, you know, Gail and Padma to an extent as well. And that over time, that history has built that higher and higher. Whereas for the All-Stars, they've been here, some of them very recently, and mm-hmm. can really connect on a sort of in the, in the trenches level where Brooke will just get in there and cook. And, you know, it certainly seems that Kristen, you know, is, is really relating and empathizing with where the chefs are at at this point in the competition, uh, you know, way more visibly than, than you would see from kind of the more removed uh, hosting duties of Padma. Uh, yeah. Not that I don't love Padma. No, there's, I just think like there's lots of things. It doesn't mean you have to like kick them out. You could keep them as the main three, but I definitely want future seasons to maintain this like connection to past winners, not just as a guest judge, but as like someone who's going on this journey with the chef testants so that they can like understand their growth and help like guide that and unlock that and encourage that. Because I think like just having these different voices throughout the season has added so much more than having like a couple guest judges that swap in and out every week. Yeah. I think that's fair. Totally. Do we have a mailbag? We We do do have a mailbag. Let's 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 hear from our our listeners. Uh, here, I I even will be the oh, one to click yeah. on the drop. This is do it. Oh my god! Oh, I'm so ashamed. I'm so I ashamed. Here we go. I really am. <laughs> All right. Well, you've heard. A lot from us on our opinions about this. Let's hear from you. Uh, Megan has been uh, collating and organizing the mailbag this week as every week. Uh, thank you in advance, Megan. Uh, but who who do we got? Yeah, um, got a lot of great stuff. Um, Caroline writes, uh, I've been hoping that since no one came back from Last Chance Kitchen, that they'd not send anyone home in this episode. How could they send anyone back during this home-centric episode? It just seemed cruel. Mm. I have to agree that I'm always, like, any of the episodes where it's, like, a family member playing a role in any way, 
it just seems mean to send someone home because then it, it feels like the the family member might feel bad for like including the bean sprouts or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, we had like family members actually be on the show in seasons mm-hmm. past where, yeah, it, it could definitely feel bad. Yeah. Wait. It's, it's, it's a harsh toke. What's up as well. I feel like, yeah, at some point we have had like the, no one's going home this time. Like it's like, it's like maybe look that like no homework today. It's like it hap- it's happened a couple of times in the last mm-hmm. you know many years. Sometimes it it's that everyone did bad enough that no one goes home this time. Uh, and then we do because, a double next yeah, time. But, yeah. but sometimes it was like, you know, everyone did good. I think that happened at least once. Yeah. yeah. And I, I wasn't here last week when we were talking about LCK and the finale of LCK. But my understanding is that had Byron gotten back on the show sometime before the finale, it would be a double elimination. Yeah, but that's only what I was going to say. I'm sure they had it worked out. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of the other side so of the no one goes home today is, is yeah. the double elimination coming yeah. later. <laughs> So I, I think, you know, just based on shooting schedule, at least my understanding was that we wouldn't be able to avoid an elimination unless something totally weird went on. But uh, yeah, it's it's no fun for well, sure. I, I also completely agree with uh, this, you uh, know, saying like it, there is something especially like personal about eliminating someone for some something that mm-hmm. a family member and a non-chef had like a a. a key role in and that's something that i think we all were talking about uh, about like the challenges of this the difficulties of this challenge of cooking with something that has a personal connection is coming from your family like i i agree like in the past i think the dishes where you cook with a family member have been quick fires uh when it's like an actual person uh doing that work uh, so I, I, I agree that it is a little weird to eliminate someone based on something that their family played a role in, even if it's like a small pre-cooking role. Yeah. Yeah, it's harsh, Carolyn. But I also don't you, think any... We sympathize with you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of these chefs would take it personally either. I, I don't think Maria is going home to her wife and son and berating them for the ingredients they selected. Oh, no, oh, definitely gosh, no. not. But no. just I, I feel like... Yeah. You know, if you were the family member, you might feel bad regardless of, yeah. you know, your your family member saying it was, of course, not your fault or whatever. Exactly. But, and Maria definitely would say it's definitely not their fault. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Who else uh, we got? We have a, a long email from Catherine. Uh, Catherine writes, I felt like given what Jamie tried to do at judge's table this week, a breakdown of previous withdrawals, attempted withdrawals, etc., might come in handy. Uh, so we've got uh, the whole list here. Uh, season wow. one. Wow. Uh, mm. Cynthia quits due to illness in the family. The elves bring back the previously eliminated contestant, Andrea. Mm-hmm. Season two. Along with being a general mess, this season is the only one with two withdrawals and the only disqualification. Oh, no, um, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Otto falls on his sword for his involvement in the weird may or may not be accidental theft of some white cheese, which in its Self may or may not have been manipulated by the producers to create some drama. As it was early on in the season, they had no idea what was coming. Uh, he quit before elimination was announced. I have no memory of this, so thank you. <laughs> I never saw this season. Uh, oh, really? Mm. Yeah, that's probably for the best. <laughs> yep. Uh, so secondly, Mia quits before elimination is announced in order to prevent the elimination of Elia who would end up making it to the final four. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, Cliff is disqualified for being the only one to lay hands on Marcel during that whole thing. I count this as yep. a voluntary withdrawal as I failed to see what else Cliff thought was going to happen. Did I mention this season was a mess? Yeah. Oof. Season three, uh, Howie attempts to quit before elimination is announced. He is denied and then promptly eliminated anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You can't quit your fire. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Uh, so after all this, I wonder if they didn't change the rules around quitting the show because the next time anyone comes close is season 14. Uh, Jamie gives up his immunity after his garbage dish drags his whole team down and is eliminated. I'm including this mostly for completeness's sake, as he apparently did not think he would actually be eliminated. Yeah, um, that was a weird one. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, like vaguely remember that. Not not very well. Um, season 15, Leanne leaves the show on doctor's advice to protect um, her pregnancy after altitude sickness. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Season 17, Malarkey is gently talked down from quitting by Gregory, who wants to win or lose based on the merits of their respective dishes. Malarkey is, much to his obvious relief, eliminated anyway. And then finally, season 18, Nelson declines to participate in Last Chance Kitchen out of concern that it could worsen the knee injury he sustained in the Orchard Challenge. And yeah. Jamie offers to quit in Marie's place after Marie's elimination is announced, but Maria talks her out of it. Uh, that's all I remember after some Googling, but I don't think I missed anything. It is weirdly difficult to find information on failed attempted withdrawals. So I had to go on memory <laughs> there. Uh, Jamie is the only contestant to try and quit after another contestant's elimination has been announced. Whether or not it would have been allowed, I don't know. Mia's season two withdrawal is the closest precedent, uh, but she quit the, before the elimination could be announced. All right. It certainly sounded to me from the edit that had Jamie really, really been sure that they would have let her go. I don't know what anybody else thought there. Oh, I think they would have. And I also think part of the psychology might have been Jamie thinking with The Last Chance Kitchen, maybe they had the bandwidth to keep Maria around. I think she might have been saying like, she might have been saying that to hope get some, uh, uh, leniency from the judges slash producers uh to make a case for why like maria deserved to stay but it it, it's a lot it it was just a very fraught emotional moment where they were two exhausted chefs who'd long two months yeah for sure but i mean like each of those things well i'd say except for the first two seasons that are very fuzzy in my memory like brought up very like you know, vivid memories of like emotional moments that were on the show. It's always, it's always a fraught scenario and um, yeah, very, it's rare, but remarkable when it happens. So thanks. Thanks for the. Yeah. Thank you. Catherine. History. Thank you so uh, yeah, much. Absolutely. <laughs> um, at Jen Allen's writes on Twitter. So did Tom loan his hat to Ed Lee tonight? That was a very Tom hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Tom could pull that hat off. That that brim was too much for a Tom Colicchio hat. <laughs> I think Tom oh, the saw feather Ed's screams hat. Colicchio. Yes. Yeah. The feathers are Colicchio. I think Tom saw Ed's hat and was like, you know what? I can take this week off. Uh, Ed's coming in <laughs> hot. And I I, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna fight this Titan of Sartorial uh, oh, of haberdashery. For hat. <laughs> haberdashery, thank you. 
It was yes. real good. I, I want to <laughs> see more Ed. Uh, one of the things that's sort of a bummer about like the the incoming like very new panel is we just haven't seen much of them. So I'm glad we got yeah. to get a, get a good dose of Brooke. But uh, Ed's always a delight in my book. Hope we get more. Yeah, um, Ed's excellent. Yeah. Uh, so we have a, an email from Jared. Uh, Jared is a brother-in-law of the show. Oh. Uh, Jared has a bold prediction. Uh, okay. Uh, he, he writes, it sure seems like Richard Blaze has played a much more prominent role than the other All-Stars. Any thoughts on him becoming a full-time cast member next year, possibly replacing one of the current cast members? Ooh. Yeah. So this is, I mean, uh, so Richard Blaze has been a recurring judge before, um, mm-hmm. I think on seasons 12 and 13. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think before this season, he was the only chef testant to appear as a recurring judge or previous uh, chef test entry uh, appear as a recurring judge. Am I right about that? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So do you think this is, uh, you know, the start of his return to that or? Um, I'm, I'm going to say no. I think he just has more of an interest in this type of celebrity chefing. I think that's just kind of more his area. He does a lot of celebrity type things and fewer chefy type things as far as I can see. So I think he's just more available to be on Top Chef or just maybe a greater interest. Seeks yeah, out the camera like a little bit more. Yeah, he's on a lot of other food TV shows as well, food related. Yeah. Um, I got to so, say, so Dale Talda is more visible than I expected too on this. And, you know, I feel like his he I expected him to kind of fade into the background a little bit, but it's nice to see him. Well, he's been such a clear personality on this season. Uh, like yeah. he, he's been the one that I think he's, I don't know if it's because he hasn't been on uh top chef as many times since his season, but it's just, he's a lot more conversational and casual than all the other uh, judges on the show. Uh, it's just like, let's run that dessert back. Like the, <laughs> the audacity <laughs> of asking for a second dessert at a tasting menu uh, and like the the surly way he sat when he didn't get his red eye gravy, like it, it's a level of emotion we don't see from a lot of the other contestants in general, and especially with this like lineup of uh, returning champs and luminaries from the show. Yeah. So, Kyle, is your opinion that uh, you know instead of Blaze coming back, you would pre- if there was a returning guest judge or recurring judge from this group that it would be Dale? I'd love Dale to be back like that. I, I just think like the dynamics of like Dale, that's what I sort of thought of like a different three judge panel for a future season. Like Dale would be interesting to have like someone who's very opinionated and like expresses it and isn't as like either guarded Reserved. or yeah, it's like, it's not, he, he would go too far and I would be interested in seeing a judge who goes too far for an entire season. <laughs> i'd nominate kwame for style yeah yeah it, it was like chris and kish dale taldy kwame that would be a, an amazing season of mm-hmm. like like the the insight they'd give would be very cool and very distinct from previous seasons something kind of interesting about sort of like chef's uh, trajectories, I guess uh, for their careers. So Sarah and I just finished reading uh, David Chang's uh, book, um, uh, eat a peach. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he was saying about like his, his notes to a 
future chef, basically there are no chefs who retire as chefs essentially like who have just like have done enough cooking in the restaurant that they can just stop working. Um, you really oh, have to interesting. find yeah. that extra level of something basically one way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like how, so I think that's why you know, if you can leverage, yeah, your, um, uh, being, being a public facing uh, figure in some way, you, you have to find some extra level. It's, you can't just, you don't get to stop cooking in the kitchen. Um, and just stop working. You have to really do something else if you actually want to be financially stable enough. Yeah, because yeah. food doesn't make enough money. Yeah, Fair yeah. Like enough. food costs so much money, so you're never going to make enough to like retire on from just making food every week, every day, every week for thirty years. You got to sell a book because yeah. you only make that once, and then you keep selling it. It's true. It uh, tastes worse capitalism, but <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, new Sarah, do you have, uh, I'm going to pick on you for a second. Do you have any, uh, panel people that you'd like to come back? Oh, as Sarah recurring? had to step away. Oh, okay. Just hadn't heard her for a second. Uh, how about oh, original good. Sarah? Panel people you want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always go to Kelly Clarkson, even though she's not a chef. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't Kelly Clarkson. Kelly, get Kelly on the phone. <laughs> Oh, no. Neutrals movie out. We got to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I wish she would, but there's no conceivable way she'd have enough time to devote an entire season. I know. Can we get Kelly a time turner, and then can we get Kelly Clarkson on the show? Good point. We solved it. Well done, team. <laughs> yeah. all Megan, do we have any other letters from oh, the yeah. mailbag? We we do indeed. Uh, right. So, at Jordan writes, I think this is the first season where the finals isn't in a different location. Obviously, because of COVID, there isn't a city change, but also they didn't really make a big deal that it's the final four. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Really haven't. It wasn't like a welcome to the finals, you know? Yeah. Well, they sort of had that moment where they were like saying the final five. I, 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 I guess maybe they, the elves were using that as sort of the moment since they weren't going to change. It is. It does. It definitely is odd. To not have the shift uh, in this late stage, uh, but yeah. I think they sort of like tried to work around that by either prompt, like nudging them after Last Chance Kitchen to have a discussion of the final five or the Fantastic Five uh, in lieu of a scenery change. Yeah, and the the challenge, I mean, the elimination challenge was certainly more open ended here which is, you know, similar to a finals in some regard. So, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll be subtle, but I, I too am missing the sort of, whether it's location shift, a format shift or something official to demarcate and say that now it's the finals. So hopefully we'll get that next week. Uh, Jordan is also our restaurant correspondent. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yes. And I uh, just wanted to remind everyone: um, a handful of weeks isn't going to undo a year and a half of insanity. Um, so please respect <laughs> the reopening. In many cases, uh, rebuilding of businesses. Um, be respectful of places that are not on your personal timeline or even on the CDC's timeline. We all want the same thing, but like everything in life, everyone just gets there in different ways. So. Of course, um, mm-hmm. uh, just yeah, be, to hear. be kind <laughs> um, yeah. and and respectful as we as we transition. Yeah, there is a, absolutely. 
there's a a reporter for Eater in LA named Farley Elliott who had just like a very short uh, thread yesterday because LA is opening up on the 15th. And it's just a situation where things are like officials say things are open and that is one change. But every, like, like Jordan said, every restaurant is going to be on a different time ta- table because of their individual situation. Uh, it, it's just diners, this week and for the rest of the month and maybe for the rest of the summer even need to go out expecting a post COVID restaurant experience, not a pre COVID mm-hmm. restaurant experience. Like this is everything. Every restaurant is doing something they've never had to do before. Uh, and you shouldn't go in expecting a, re- a complete return to normalcy. Sarah and I went to a restaurant yesterday and it felt great. Uh, it, it's going to feel really good to go out and eat again, but you can't treat it the exact same way. And that that's, that's what we should do as diners and enjoyers of food is just be flexible and ready to go into meals that way instead of as very annoying customers again. Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. I like kind of um, like the anchoring of like, this is a completely new thing that we have. It's like, imagine we it's all we're transported into a new country um you know that looks looks the same but is very different and like to sort of maybe be curious and like open about like what this new thing is going to be as opposed to trying to anchor um yeah on other expectations yeah here here um just a couple more from the mailbag yeah uh, so at oh alchemy girl writes um that they saw chef Jamie Tran on the new uh, show Fresh Fried Crispy on Netflix. Nice. Um, so I went in and checked it out. Um, it's like city by city episodes. So uh, she's on the Las Vegas episode. Of course. Um, and it's just um, a shorter um, segment, uh, but it's her in her restaurant and she's very charming. So I definitely checked that out. Great. Um, yeah. Sweet. I certainly will. I have That's not great. heard about this food show. Ooh. It's number seven in TV shows today uh, right now. So wow. that's pretty good. Sounds brand new to me, at least. <laughs> you know, getting that kind of buzz. Let's, yeah, I don't know. Whoa. Looking forward to it. Crazy things. Thanks for wrapping. the share. This is wrapping. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing the wrapping a, a peach in, fry, in sugar and fried dough and deep frying it on sticks. Okay. Yeah. Ain't nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I just watched, I just watched her little segment, but it seems, seems definitely like a fun show for sure. Sweet. Um, and finally we've got, uh, an email from Hannah. Hannah writes, Hey all, as is my way, I have a book recommendation for top chef fans, particularly mm-hmm. teen cool. ones. It's about a girl from a small town in North Florida and uh, who desperately wants to escape to go back to culinary school. So she enters a cooking competition show called Top Teen Chef. The book covers several weeks of the competition, and it's very sweet. It's YA, so there's a romantic storyline, but it focuses more on the competition and achieving your dreams. They even refer to the show producers as, quote, the elves, as in, where did that envelope come from? Oh, the elves must have dropped it off. (laughs) It's a bit simplistic, but perfectly fun for young Top Chef fans, maybe for Caleb and Maya in a few years. Hmm. Um, And it comes out in October 2021. It's called Where There's a Whisk by Sarah J. Schmidt. uh, Schmidt. Where There's Um, a Whisk. I'm setting an alert for it right now. That sounds super fun. Awesome. And And 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I actually have another recommendation. Um, oh. If anyone's looking for books for young people about cooking competitions, um, I would recommend The Next Best Junior Chef, a series by Sharice Harper. Um, this uh, was a series, I haven't read it myself, but um, we got, um, it's like a three book series um, where each book covers one uh, day of the competition. Um, and uh, we bought them for um, our nephew and he really enjoyed them. So oh, another, that's great. another recommendation. That's delightful. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the recommendation. And Megan, thank you as ever for doing the mailbag. Um, if you're interested in reaching out to us, uh, you can reach us at packyourmics.com, at packyourmics on Twitter, or facebook.com slash packyourmics. We'd love to hear from you. And I'm not going to play the song again. I am not. Uh, <laughs> we've been going long. Let's just wrap it up. Uh, one last thing that we always ask. It's Top Chef Portland. Megan, as our resident Portlander or former Portlander, uh, how many stumps you got? Oh. We, you know, hmm. we, we did get outside of Portland, in particular to the Tualatin Valley, which is a river valley west of Portland. Yeah, yeah, I got I got to see some beautiful uh, Oregon scenery, mm-hmm. um, and I I certainly I've forgotten the chef's name, but the the mystery uh, chef um, Pigeon, Man. The, <laughs> Pigeon Man. Yes. He, he's Pigeon Man. He's known as Pigeon Man now. G- Gabriel Rucker. Is yeah, yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. When so many Gabriels this season? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Season again. Uh, um, definitely a very prominent uh, chef in Portland. Um, but other than that, not you know, not super Portland focused. Uh, this this episode, so I'd, I'd probably give it two two stumps. All right, two stumps it is. Um, hopefully, we'll get some more stumps in the finals. Uh, bold prediction time before we go. Anybody have any bold predictions? Who's going to win? Anything like that? I say Don. Don's the winner. I agree. Don for president. I, I'm going to go Shota. I just I feel like he's pretty unflappable at this point. Um, he he had he did well with a challenge that had that like the letter he got from his family like mentioned his dog and he was fine after that. So like I think that was his one weakness really was just a dog based uh, cooking. And so now that he's yeah. like shorn that up. Because he's already like had a thought experiment about his dog dying. <laughs> he's got the memento mori on his dog's death, yeah. and, and so he's he's good. He's he's dealt with it. Yeah, yeah I, don't know. I, I think he's hard to beat. I'm feeling Shota. I think that I I, I feel that once they get a chance to like, well, you know what? No, I don't think it's going to be Shota. I think Shota's going to be eliminated in the next episode, at least based Whoa. on the edit. I I, I feel like. Uh, this is me like biting on the elves uh, editing trick, but based on him saying like, this is the first time that he sort of felt like he was sweating. And then Tom was saying like someone like missed a Gougere on their plate. I think that that might be, it might be a situation where a great chef makes one little timing or like simple mistake that isn't, cooking base because everyone makes great dishes and it's going to be that missing Gougier that dooms uh, Shota or whoever cooks a Gougier. Right. We'll find out early in the episode when someone says they're making Gougier. 
yeah trying to read the tea leaves from the edit always a dangerous proposition but uh yeah but i think that's the bolder prediction is not showed and not winning but also being eliminated next wow megan um, I really think it's anyone's game. I mean, I, I agree with all of you, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so agreeable. All right. Well, we will find out next week when we watch Top Chef and talk about it here on Pack Your Mics. Stay with us. See you then. Thanks so much. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Just looked up Gougere.